With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, it's Brian with Wildcat Radio, and football season is here. Fall camp has started, players have pads on, hope springs eternal, everyone's optimistic, and we are going to record a podcast in three days covering everything that's gone on in fall camp so far, so keep a lookout for that. In the meantime, we are continuing our 12-part series previewing every team in the Pac-12, and we brought on our friends from the Utah Man podcast on our other podcast, 12-Pack Radio, which you can follow at 12-Pack Radio on Twitter and subscribe for free. So here it is. Twelve Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to Twelve Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face, covering Pac-12 football news, Pac-12 recruiting news, and Pac-12 basketball news. Sometimes this is Brian Conger, the host of Twelve Pack Radio and Wildcat Radio. Thank you for joining us. This is part four of our twelve-part series. We're taking deep dives into every single Pac-12 football program. We just did our podcast with uh, the Washington. Uh, Huskies Dog Pod. We've done Arizona and USC, and really excited to talk about the Utah Utes. A couple housekeeping items first. You can follow the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts, you name it. 12 Pack Radio is there, and you can follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio. And you can follow us on our website, sharpcollegefootball.com, where all of uh, Rob's uh, statistical model statistics. He's going to say this way better than I can. Uh, are on there. It's actually a really good site. We're excited to launch it. And I am joined, as always, by Rob, who is running the Beta Rank Advanced College Football Statistical Model. Rob, how are you? I am. I'm really. We we're getting some of the fun ones out of the way, and I, I feel bad. Like I'm. I don't know if I'm going to have the energy when we get to like Cal and Stanford and Oregon State because like we've already done Washington, which was fun, and USC, and now we get to talk about Utah, and we've had this this year circled for this Utah team for like two years that this, this could be a really good year for them. So I'm really excited to talk about them. You got to start strong and you got to end strong. So Oregon and Quackville podcast podcast, <laughs> looking at you, you guys are last. You guys just got bumped to the back of the bus. <laughs> Finish with you guys. Uh, no, everyone will forget how bad you were in the middle. Of- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm really excited about our guest. This is a podcast that I follow um, really closely. It's the Utah man podcast, which covers Utah football, and Cameron and Scott do, do an amazing job just breaking down the conference and upgraded their sound. It's funny, Scott. So your podcast and our podcast have like kind of been two ships passing each other in the night <laughs> in regards to our, our Twitter followers. The, the same, we have about the same amount. We have the same amount of downloads, basically. We, uh, we all upgraded our equipment basically in the same year. So we're like mirror image. It's that Spider-Man meme where we're both pointing at each other. Um, but, but you guys do such a good job covering uh, the Utes and a really fun team. Thank you for joining. Yeah, happy to. Uh, it's fun. To, it's fun to, that we're getting a little closer to football and be able to talk about it. No, absolutely. And we are really interested in this Utah team. Rob, you had talked last year about 
how Utah arrived a year early. Because when we first started the 2018 series, uh, when we broke down every single team, by the way, we'll be doing weekly podcasts as the conference uh, play begins. So we'll just be breaking down all the games and everything. And as we were going, we were talking about how Utah was looked really good, but the really the schedule is difficult and uh, and it didn't matter. <laughs> like the Utes did really well, played in the Pac-12 title game, have a nasty defense, they're returning a lot. And uh, let's just start with this, Scott. How did the Utah fan base take last year? Was it kind of an unexpected surprise? Did you guys kind of anticipate making uh, it to the Pac-12 title game? You were the first, I'm sorry, the last Pac-12 team that won the Pac-12 South. But um, but it was on a, just a nasty defense, and you had injuries on top of that. So what were the expectations in 2018, and how did you finish in terms of expectations at the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, the, going into last season, there were, there were high expectations, but uh, the schedule really did not set up all that well for Utah last year. And uh, it really was one of those hope for the best and kind of see how it plays out, uh, you know, and, and – uh, out of the gates, Utah really kind of struggled. Uh, I don't know if they struggled, but they just they, they weren't uh, hitting on all cylinders. And then October hit, and they kind of hit a new gear, and it, it gave it gave the team life and a lot of confidence. And uh, and then uh, and then then the injury bug hit. Uh, we lost Tyler Huntley, starting quarterback. Uh, Zach Moss hurt his knee. Um, literally the same week, um, and. Uh, those injuries started piling up and here we went into November. If, if, if you know anything about Utah, since we've joined the PAC 12, we, uh, we've had our, our opportunities going into November to win the South and, uh, and, and go play for the title. And we've just, we've just not been able to get it done. We've melted in November. And, uh, so as those injuries piled up, we kind of thought we we're going in a, a repeat mode and, uh, not be able to get the job done. But, you know, I think that the depth that Utah has established, uh, really helped them get through those final, that final month of the season and, uh, and be able to go play, uh, for the PAC 12 title against Washington, you know, obviously it didn't turn out uh, the way we wanted it to, but, uh, I mean, I, th- I don't know if you watched that game, but that the Utah defense in that uh, game was amazing. Our offense, not so much, but <laughs> but uh, I, I think fans came away really excited for uh, um, what they accomplished. First time winning the South, kind of got that monkey off our back as the only team in the South that hadn't got it done. And uh, it, it put uh, some pretty high expectations coming into this year. Yeah, and coming into this year, I, I just want to briefly touch on, I mean, the Utes have a new offensive coordinator in Andy Ludwig. Um, I mean, new old offensive coordinator. He's been at Utah before. Um, you know, Troy Taylor moved on, uh, but the Utes return, they're, they're number four in returning production on offense. Um, and, and a lot of, there's a lot of expectations, I think, about you know, the Utah offense potentially taking a step forward into to, to being good in that top 25 range. Um, how do fans feel about Andy Ludwig? I mean, I, I think he's fascinating. He, he, he has like <clears throat> his offenses are always highly explosive, um, but it's running or passing like his Wisconsin offenses put up really big plays running the football. His Vanderbilt offenses put up really big plays 
passing the football. <laughs> so, um, but it's not always the most efficient. Like, I mean, he, he, he has some drives that, uh, that gets, that stall out, but I'm excited. I, I think it's a good hire. Uh, and they, they splashed out some money, uh, and also brought up Scaly at the same time. Like how do, how do Utah fans feel about the Ludwig hire? You know what? You, you fans are actually pretty excited about it. And I know probably around the league, they're probably wondering what we're thinking on that, but, uh, you know, at, he was at Utah before uh, before we joined the the or excuse me while we were in the Mountain West before joining the Pac-12 and uh, you know he had to follow in the in the footsteps of Urban Meyer and that prolific offense and so um, I think initially fans you know weren't all that thrilled with the job that he was doing ultimately turned it into a um, a Sugar Bowl win over Alabama. And then he moved on, and uh, and and he's back now. Um, and I think uh, I, I I personally love the hire. Um, we have struggled with OCs. We've been in the this will be the ninth season in the Pac-12, and we've had eight OCs. So uh, I didn't realize that. That's crazy. So it's been a revolving door. It, it has, and and some of them have been just not good and others have others have, have shown some promise you know we were pretty excited about uh, troy taylor a couple years ago and he had his moments but uh, I, I i like what ludwig brings is he knows what kyle whittingham wants to do and and not every oc in the past has um, they haven't necessarily always worked well together kyle likes to protect the ball he wants to run the ball and shorten games, and uh, and obviously Ludwig, as you mentioned, he's he's uh, shown the ability to really kind of go either direction. Um, and I, I think at Utah we're really going to see a lot of running the ball. That's what Whittingham likes. Um, we've got a, a deep stable of running backs, and uh, so overall, I think fans are really excited. Um, it's kind of a, a revolving door every year. We kind of hope, all right, we're going to break out offensively and finally figure this out. And, you know, with, with the weapons that, uh, that we have returning, uh, matching with the experience that Ludwig has is he's coached in about every league in this, uh, in college football. Um, so he's not new, not new, uh, um, in that realm. And so I think fans are pretty excited and, and pretty hopeful that he can put a pretty good product on the field. I've always seen the Utah offensive coordinators, minus Troy Taylor. I'm glad you brought him up because we were really excited when he got hired on. I thought that was a really inspiring hire. It was one that was outside of the box because I've always just seen Utah's offense as like going to Applebee's and just kind of, you know, like this is bad. It's not great. You know, like I, I can get a dessert and a $2, you know, Long Island IC or something. But outside of that, there's really not much here. Um, but except for the running game and, here, here's a question for you because I just outside of Stanford, it's really hard to see a Pac-12 team that has operated at an elite level that hasn't at least incorporated a pretty solid passing game. Um, even USC, which is has traditionally been a run-heavy team, I mean they've always had good quarterbacks, they've always had good wide receivers. Um, it just seems that you always are going to need to pass the ball, and I'm I'm just interested to see what happens with uh with Huntley you know you have a quarterback that returns he had a pretty decent year last year he had some injury problems and he's always been an intriguing quarterback uh, because you can see some of the pieces there and you can see the talent and I know Utah fans were really excited about him last year I mean obviously he returns and he has an, an okay wide receiving core 
you know, with a new offensive coordinator, is there any change that you expect to see in the passing game? Because I just see that as like the key to Utah going from, you know, competing in the Pac-12 South and making it to the title game to winning said title game and being one of those teams that um, could be a dark horse for, you know, the college football playoff. You bet. No, I mean, ultimately, right, every every coach, you know, out there, for the most part, right, they talk about balance offensively. They want to be able to run the ball, but you got you got to be able to pass it, too. And uh, and that's that's always been our Achilles heel is we've been able to run the ball, but we're pretty one dimensional and just have not been able to have the big play, at least consistently through the passing game over, you know, overall, you know, this this stretch. Um, since we joined the Pac-12, and so that there's there's no doubt no doubt about it that has to improve, and and that is the hope that Andy Ludwig can bring. Um, obviously, I think they're they're gonna they're gonna fo- the focus is gonna be on running the ball, but you've got to be able to pass off of that. You got to be able to to make some big plays through the uh, play action game. And uh, Tyler Huntley, it's it's this will be uh, his third year um, starting, so he's got the experience and uh, and he's shown to be pretty prolific at times. Um, hasn't always been the most consistent, and the the thing that's really kind of set him back is just the injury bug. He's not the biggest guy out there, and uh, he's lost a number of games each of the last two seasons due to due to injuries. And that's going to be the biggest key. Number one is just keeping him healthy so he can stay on the field and 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 be the weapon that he that he is. So, you know, in the past, he's run the ball quite a bit, which, you know, every time he does, we kind of uh, cringe a little bit, hoping he, he gets up and he's OK. Um, I think what Ludwig's going to do this year is I think he's going to, to an extent, minimize um, him running and, and jeopardizing his health a little bit, but he's a weapon. And 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 Ludwig has mentioned uh, in, throughout spring that uh, he's a weapon that he has not had the ability to coach in his career. So he's pretty excited to have him and all that he brings to the table. Um, but I think first and foremost, he's got to stay healthy so he can stay on the field and uh, and, and be able to produce. Well, and he was, I mean, his, his stats don't jump out at you from last season in some ways because of the injury, yeah. right? Like he, he, he didn't play in enough games to really end up as a statistical leader. And even, even had he played, I mean, you know, it was, it was Gardner, Gardner Minshew was lighting it up stats. wise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. uh, you're not going to compete yards wise with what he was doing, but he was, he was he was service. I mean, like in a modern offense, you know, like, you know, you expect your quarterback to have a a completion percentage that's closer to 65% than 60%. And he was at 64% last season. That's pretty good. Um, Now he wasn't asked to throw the ball downfield a lot, um, but he had a 12 to six, you know, touchdown to interception ratio. Um, I mean, I guess the question, like, cause I, I I like Huntley and I, I also, I also like Shelly behind him. Um, you know, to maybe even take a step forward this season. But I mean, do, do Utah fans really, I mean, if they expect Huntley to, to take a step forward, you know, is it, is it going to be in, in throwing down the field? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. And, and you're right. I mean, he's, Utah's never going to be uh, that offense, at least under Winningham where they're going to throw the ball, you know, 50 times a game. Um, they're, they're going to control 
the amount of uh, um, passes down the field and and re- really rely on uh, moving the chains through the running game. But you've got to you've got to be you've got to be effective in the pl- the, the the big play um, down the field. And so he's got to be efficient in that. Obviously, we've got some weapons across the field, and we, we do have some inexperienced uh, guys that uh, are going to need to step up and, and make plays throughout the year. Um, but uh, by all means, yeah, you fans are expecting a big year out of Tyler Huntley. Again, you know, you're not going to be able to compare it to a lot of the other quarterbacks that run different types of systems. But uh, I, I think we'll see a step forward in Tyler as far as uh, keeping that completion percentage around 65 percent. But uh, but, you know, being able to uh, have a little bit more big play potential. I'm curious to see who he throws to. We are big Britton Covey fans on this podcast. That guy is a man for the, just the, the shots that he takes and his ability to, to 60 reception, 637 yards. Um, I just, I like him a lot. The thing that worries me though, about the Utah wide receiving core is you don't want in theory, uh, somebody like Britton Covey to be your top, uh, producer in regards to yards, right? So he was the top wide receiver last year, only 367 yards. I understand again, there was injury issues at the quarterback position, but it's the stepping up of the Y and the X receivers that should, I just think those guys need to be able to uh, make a statement this year. And you have somebody like Solomon Ennis, uh, you know, six three two oh five guy who's likely going to start. You have somebody like Samson Nakua, another six three guy. Um, both of those guys had under three hundred yards and really didn't show a ton in regards to. Um, they just didn't show it on the field. Was that play calling, or was that just not like? Was Huntley and Shelley just not willing to to sling the ball down the field? Or I'm just curious to see why that production was so low and what you expect from those guys moving into this season. Yeah, you know, the the production uh, really has not been there from the wide receivers. We really have not had that go-to guy that uh, that uh, you can rely on and and really can go out and, and catch five to you know eight balls every game and produce some big plays um, obviously some guys that uh, have a lot of potential but po- we know how kind of potential plays out a little bit you mentioned Solomon Ennis he's a guy that uh, since he since he committed to Utah you know he was a big get for Utah offensively, and uh, obviously true freshman last year. He had some moments, but uh, really didn't get a ton of targets. I definitely expect that to increase this year. Um, one guy to keep an eye on is Brian Thompson. He's another uh, kind of six three, one ninety. Um, he has just been hampered by injuries since he's been at Utah, but. He's a kid who's got so much potential and really has the ability to kind of be that breakout player and be the go-to receiver on the, uh, in this unit um, for the team. Um, it's, the question is whether or not he can stay healthy. Um, but uh, Britton Covey, yeah, Britton Covey, he's a fan favorite, maybe a conference favorite. I mean, he's just the, the little engine that never stops, man. He is uh, – if you watch the Washington game, uh, I think it was what week three last year, he got, I mean, he just got hammered play after play after play. And, uh, you know, for as little as he is, he just, he just keeps showing up each and every week. 
Um, and, and he's, he's been our most reliable wide receiver. And I think that's, that's, that's been the problem is our smallest guy who you're right, can't be the lead receiver. Um, he's been the most reliable as far as catching the ball and, uh, and, and making plays. So he's going to need a little bit of help. Jalen Dixon is another slot a wide receiver was a freshman last year, kind of a, kind of a small, uh, smaller guy as well. Um, five, nine, one seventy. Um, but he's got some big play potential. He actually uh, kind of came out of nowhere a little bit and became, uh, the deep threat on the offense last year. So we've got a lot of guys returning that, uh, have produced none, of, none at a real high level. Um, so it's definitely going to be by committee this year again, but I think the biggest thing is, is getting, getting that unit to, you know, We've had the drops at times, which, you know, just kills drives, has killed a lot of momentum offensively um, uh, throughout the season. And so that's going to be the biggest thing is just getting guys that when the ball's there, making plays. Damari Simpkins is a, is a senior returning. He's had some great moments and he's had moments where, uh, you know, he, he self-proclaimed as the best wide receiver in the country uh, last fall. <laughs> And, <laughs> and he and Sean Poindexter should I guess <laughs> go bowling. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, there the, some guys that think they can get the job done. We're all just waiting for them to get the job done a little bit better. But uh, um, they've got some options there. But but you but we've got to have to have the season that you fans want. They've got to have a couple of these guys stand stand out and really uh, become a, a big time player. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it here and and actually talk about the offensive line because the uh, I, I I think if you look across like if you look across like I think at running back even with Shine going to Texas Tech like the Utes are set but if there is one place on this offense where they're returning a little less ex- production than you'd expect it's on the line where they they lost three out of five starters they graded out pretty well last season running the football um graded out 41 in beta rank and effective rush do do the Utes have the the depth i mean do they have guys ready to step up and fill in the line um you know this season because i i really think if you know if if the line gels this offense you know could be really something to watch out for yeah that's that's going to be i think that's the biggest question mark going into fall camp is how this offensive line is going to look game one um, because uh, yeah, you lose three of your uh, three of your starters uh, last year, um, and and they've got they've got some depth. Um, they brought in a couple of uh, grad transfers: um, Alex Lockler from Marshall, Noah Myers from Washington State, to add to that de- depth. And uh, I think we'll see through fall camp if those guys uh, are in the rotation or even have a shot to earn earn maybe one of the starting jobs. Um, but they brought in some young talent. They've got some. Uh, they've got some guys in the wings that uh, we're pretty excited about, um, and and we'll be able to see. Um, Braden uh, Braden Daniels is a guy. Um, Nick Ford. Those are two guys that um, ex- we're expecting to have a big impact and step in. And and Nick Ford played a, a number of number of games last year. Um, so even though uh, even though we've lost some guys. There's potential there, but uh, it, it really is a question mark as far as can these guys can they gel um, through fall camp and be ready to go for game one? 
and, or or is it going to be uh, you know maybe a little shuffling through the first uh, first month of the season to kind of get things in place? So you know I agree with you. If if they do gel and they come out of the gate strong, this offense has a chance to really take a step in the right direction. But the offensive line is going to be key because Ludwig, uh, with the running backs that we've got, they want to run the ball. And uh, so they've got to find guys that, uh, that gel and can get the job done. With, with Utah's offensive line, for me, it's just I just trust the coaching staff. But I'm curious, do you still have the same offensive line coach that you have in previous years? Yes, Jim Jim Harding. He's a he's an associate head coach, and uh, we're actually pretty lucky to still have him. He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, interviewed the last two years uh, with uh, NFL teams, and uh, he's he he's he's done an amazing job. He's recruited at a high level, really brought in a lot of uh, a lot of good talent on the offensive line, and you know we've we've had question marks in the past, and he just seems to be able to find the guys and and get them to perform uh, at the level that's needed. So th- that that is one kind of security blanket that uh, that we've got going into this, even though with some question marks and some uh, some youth at the position, I'm pretty confident Jim Harding is going to be able to get them coached up and be ready to go. Hey, Rob, you had mentioned that Utah had graded out at 41 uh, in terms of effective rush. What were their advanced yeah. metrics uh, just across the offense before we switch over to um, Zach Moss? Because he just broke through my wall and stole everything in my fridge right now. Like, it's just a monster. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do you mind going through those stats? Yeah, so the offense created out at 60 last season. Uh, I mean, they were – so to be to be fair for Utah fans, like they were grading out in the 40s before the injuries to, to Huntley uh, and Moss. Um, they graded out at 84 in drive efficiency, so they weren't always the most efficient offense, but 42 in explosive drives. You don't um, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 40 in, in, in play efficiency, um, 69 in negative drives. So, like, the Utes could, you know, where they could potentially – now, I, I say this, I know full well what – like what I expected Andy Ludwig offense to look like. I expect, I expect them to be more explosive and maybe about the same in efficiency. But like, if you were to take, if I was going to say Troy Taylor's coming back again, like where they could clean it up, they could have fewer three and outs, you know, and they could, they could finish more drives. Um, and they graded out, sorry, they graded out 68, uh, in a effective pass last season. So I mean, a little more improvement that they could make against, uh, or, or you know, throwing the football around. So I, I think they're like, like I said, with Ludwig's offense, though, like I, I really expect them to be a, a more explosive offense by design, even if that's more explosive running the football. Yeah, you know, looking at running back Zach Moss, senior, more than a thousand yards, six point two yards a carry, twelve total touchdowns last year. Obviously, he's going to be the guy. He's your Cadillac back there. Um, we, if you can just talk a little bit about what makes him so special, in addition to. My other question, which would be, are we going to see a lot of other guys, somebody like TJ Green or Henry Cole, or is this going to be a, you know, 250 <laughs> balls in the chest running up the gut for Zach Moss? How, how integrated do you think a new offensive coordinator is going to be in regards to kind of shaking up the looks uh, behind the line? Yeah, I mean, uh, Zach Moss, he's, 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 a, he's a special running back. He... Uh, He's been he's been fun to watch over uh, over the course of uh, his career at Utah. I mean, he's just built like a truck, 
And the thing that the thing that makes him special is is he's got that power game, but he, he, he if you look at him and watch him play, he's he's pretty agile. He's really good at the line of scrimmage. He's patient. You know, he he can make quick cuts right to left. Um, and then he, he's got that ability to just explode through the line, and uh, which is what really makes him such a good running back. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be the Zach Moss show this year. Um, you know, Whittingham, Whittingham loves him, and, uh, and uh, Andy Ludwig is going to love him. So, yeah, they're, 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 they're absolutely going to run him and, and utilize him. But, but you, you are going to see some guys behind him because they've got plenty of depth and they've got some really good guys, some change of pace type running backs um, that you're that you're going to see. Obviously, Devonte Henry Cole he redshirted last year due to injury, um, but he's expected to be a guy um, that can come in and uh, and and make some plays. He he's kind of in that Zach Moss type. He's kind of a, a bigger build, but he's he's got some pretty good speed to him. Um, TJ Green is he's he's the speed guy. He's the guy that kind of can change things up a little bit. Countless times last year when uh, when offense was just stalling, things weren't going. They they got him in, was able to stretch the defense sideline to sideline, and he really could spark some drives for the for this team. So I expect to see him uh, continue on in that role this year. I think uh, the 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 wild card is going to be a true freshman in Jordan Wilmore. Um, he, uh, he just signed with Utah in this last class and is the highest rated uh, running back that Utah's ever gotten. And, uh, Whittingham has already, uh, been talking about him quite fondly. So I think, I think you're going to see him get some opportunities. And obviously, you know, if, if you're going to run the ball as much as I expect Utah to, you're going to get guys dinged up. And so, um, I think they're going to want to utilize Moss as much as they can, but not overutilize him and, and, and get him injured. So I think you're really going to see a lot of these guys and, uh, rotate through and, uh, and, and provide Ludwig some different options as far as just uh, um, spacing um, and also through the passing game. That's one thing I really expect Ludwig to utilize, as he has elsewhere, is utilize the running back out of the backfield um, in the passing game. As we, I mean, I, I actually had a, a, a little back and forth with some Utah fans when Shine transferred. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a skeptic on addition by subtraction. So I said, oh, you know, like the the Utes are, they're going to miss Shine, right? Like you miss having depth that you know, right? <laughs> um, and can rely on. Um, but I got a lot of pushback from Utah fans that said, no, no, <laughs> like we we've, we've got the depth. Um, behind him and shines transferring because not just because Moss was in front of him, but because, you know, there was, you know, you know, some guys creeping up behind him too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, did you, do you feel like Utah fans are, you know, or the youths could, could miss shine this season or, you know, the, 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 the guy, the guys behind him, even though they haven't seen the field much are, are, are so good that it's, it's not much of a concern. Was was I one of those guys going going back with you? <laughs> no, <laughs> it no, was like, I, I got into it was like a it was like a Utah sports talk show, and uh, they tweeted out like, "Oh, shine's transferring," and I was like, "Oh, well, that's you know, like you never like to lose depth," and like they like I the pushback was like immediate and fierce, like, "No, no, no, like forget him, he's already, like it was like it was like an ex girlfriend that like you never wanted to from." <laughs> Well, I, you know, Shine, uh, anytime you lose a guy that's got experience, uh, you know, it, it hurts, right? It's always going to, um, but I, I'm not sure it's, I, I'm not sure it's a big, real big blow, um, just with the depth that they have. 
um, at at, uh, at the running back position. Now, Shine, uh, you know, if you if you rewind a few years back, he he earned the starting job and and really was, uh, you know, I, I thought he was going to turn into, you know, one of these uh, Utah backs that was just going to uh, be uh, run all over the place. And then he got injured, and he never. When he came back from injury, he just was not the same type of running back. And, uh, you know, uh, when he had to take over for Moss, I think, uh, you know, he, he wasn't Moss and he wasn't producing like Moss. And so that's probably where some of the Ute fans are pushing back a little bit about him moving on. But, you know, he, 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 did, a, he did a lot of good for this program. And, uh, you know, he came in when uh, the, the week against Oregon last year um, when Zach Moss went down injured. Ran for, I believe it was about 147 yards and ran all over Oregon and and really, really helped uh, get that W for the Utes. So um, anytime you see a guy like that, that's got that experience and that ability, it's going to hurt. Um, but I, o- overall, um, if you look at the depth, I'm, I'm, I'm not really all that worried about it because I think we got plenty of guys that got, have a lot of ability. With a new offensive coordinator, I've always been a fan of tight ends. I'm going to ask this question basically on every podcast where we preview a team. Um, (laughs) You have two of them. We see them as cheat codes. There's these big, giant, lumbering guys that are going down the field. I have two questions for you. The first is, do you see um, Andy Ludwig integrating more tight end play into this offensive system? And B, outside of the Pacific Island names, because all of those names are interesting, is Cole Fotheringham like one of the top 10 best names that you've had? Like, has anybody else had a cooler name <laughs> that, that hasn't, doesn't uh, come from the Pacific Islands than Cole Fotheringham? Well, that's, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, you take out about 90% of our material if you can't use the Islander names. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, Cole Fotheringham, it's, it's a good name, and that he's a good player. He's, a, he's an absolute stud, and... Uh, I, th- I think uh, I, I'm, I'm, I am really excited to have Ludwig for the fact that he's going to get tight ends in here. He's going to utilize them. And we got two really good ones, um, one being Cole Fotheringham, um, who uh, just uh, was named to the John Mackey Award watch list. Um, he's, he's a stud. He's, he's kind of that guy that uh, the old, uh, old-fashioned tight end, he, he can block but he's also a good receiving threat uh, and, and he's going to be a key in Ludwig's offense. I think you're definitely going to see a lot of, a lot of passes thrown uh, to the tight end this, uh, this upcoming season. And, and another guy who produced and really kind of came out of nowhere um, wasn't a super highly recruited kid, um, but it was a true freshman last year uh, by the name of Brant Keithy. And uh, and he's kind of your more modern day tight end, uh, maybe not the strongest blocker, um, but uh, he's a receiving tight end. He's got he's got really good speed, and and we saw it last year. Uh, he had he was able to just provide mismatches for linebackers and get over the top on them and, and make some big plays. And uh, so both those guys, they're young. Um, but, uh, I think you're going to see plenty of both Keithy and, uh, Cole Fotheringham in, in Ludwig's office this year. Nice. And Scott, well, I totally forgot. Uh, we haven't plugged the Utah man podcast yet. So where can people find you? Where can people find the Utah podcast? I'm assuming that you're going to be recording pretty often like you did during the season, but what are your plans yes. over there? Yeah, so we, we, we actually put out uh, a defensive preview uh, just last week, and uh, we're going to be putting out an offensive preview probably at the end of this week. 
Um, and then, yeah, we're, uh, we're ready to, to start putting out, uh, content here. So yeah, if you're interested, uh, um, the, the podcast is the Utah, Ma- Utah man podcast. You can follow it on Twitter at Utah man podcast. Um, my, my handle on Twitter is uh, Utah man underscore forever. And so, and we just, uh, we love to talk football and, uh, and have a good time doing it, whether, whether we're good at it or not. I don't, I don't know, but we have some fun with it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really glad I found you guys. I mean, it's been three or four years ago that I've been listening to. So it's a good listen. If you're a Utah fan, definitely tune in. And we're going to talk about the defense right after this. All right, we're back talking Utah football with Scott from the Utah man podcast and we should probably just go into the advanced statistics here on um, how Utah did last year, which I'm assuming is quite good, Rob. Yeah, so the Utah defense, uh, unsurprisingly, <clears throat> another another good year under Scaly. Um, 21 in beta rank. Uh, they graded out number 13 in drive efficiency, which is a really big improvement over the year before, um, where they had mostly just made their hay by not letting you put up big plays. This past season, Utah really uh, buckled down, and if you were, they were difficult to drive the length of the field against. Um, they graded out number 32, uh, containing explosive drives. So, you know they. They did give up a few more big plays, but uh, number 36 in play efficiency, uh, number 32 at causing negative drives. So with that pass rush, uh, you know, coming in with with Foto and Ana, and then uh, the linebackers coming down, they, they did cause some three and outs and some turnovers. They were number 15 against the rush, an effective rush in the country, uh, and number 34 against the pass. So uh, another good season for the Utah defense. And I feel like we have, I feel like we had more questions last season coming into the season about the Utah defense, particularly linebacker. And I, I have feel like some this questions. Season we have. I have some questions. Oh, there are some. There are some questions, <laughs> but like, let me just start out because I want to steal the thunder here. Like, does Utah have the best defensive line in the country? Because Foto and Ana are just unbelievable. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, we sure think so. But, uh, um, you know, I mean, you, you've got guys, you've got Phil Steele, you've got a lot of these different publications who have, have put a, uh, put Utah pretty high on their list uh, um, as far as that defensive line goes. So, you know, there's 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 a target on their back, and, uh, and rightfully so. Bradley and I returns as a Pac-12 uh, leader in sacks last year. Lucky Fotu, who is just he's he's something else, man. He is just the biggest human being you'll uh, you'll come in contact with, and he's just him. He's he's yet he's out agile, and uh, he he's just so disruptive up on the front, you know. And and a guy on the defensive line that just he never gets talked about, and even amongst the Utah fan base, he always just gets forgotten. And John Penasini, who was an absolute stud last year, the tackle position. Um, alongside uh, Fotu, and uh, in, in in some aspects graded out higher than Fotu last year, but he's just not he doesn't get the recognition um, that uh, that Lecky Lecky has gotten. But uh, yeah, this uh, this defensive line is is going to be really good, and it's going to cause uh, cause some offenses this year to a lot of problems. I was looking at the depth chart, and we kind of put together every team's depth chart at 12 pack radio. And we, we do this giant preview. It's a written preview. It'd be like 130 pages. It'll be awesome, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I had three guys down in the ground and then I took a look at Utah's uh, media guide, which just came out. So shout out to Utah's SID for getting that out quickly. And it had four guys uh, on the ground. And I know it's, I know 
it, it depends on scheme and all that stuff. And Rob, you're smarter than me. You can talk about the gaps and, all, and whatnot. But um, what what kind of system are you running this year with uh, with just a terrifying, inappropriate, disgusting defensive line? <laughs> uh, you, you're, you're, you're still going to see the base as a four man base. Um, and, uh, but you, but Scally loves to kind of mix some things up. So, you know, against the Stanford's of the world, you're going to, you're going to see, and you're going to see five linemen at, at times along that front. Um, you know, and, and others, you, you know, you're going to see uh, maybe the more of the spreads, you're going to see um, at times where, yeah, we go with a three-man front. And so it, it varies, but, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, I, I, unless they, they do something that maybe we're not expecting, fall camp has been closed to the, all the media this year. So maybe they've got some things they're going to try and, and maybe make some things up. But, but uh, you know, we're, we're expecting uh, just to continue on with that four-man uh, front. And if I do have questions about this defense it's mostly a linebacker i would say um where you lose you know chase hansen uh who was phenomenal and really uh i mean our we had max brown on and he he had pointed out uh utah's green dog blitzing and then after that you can't not see it you're like oh the back stayed in here comes chase hansen uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh like bad decision running back like go go run a route like keep yeah, chase right? hansen away from the quarterback <laughs> um but i believe you have i, I believe this is it's like this, this is me going off the top of my head. Francis Bernard was the BYU transfer Correct. that came in. Um, he looks like a likely starter. And then maybe Manny Bowen, um, you know, it's like, so you, at the very least, you have some very experienced players, seniors, um, you know, how do Utah fans, because I mean, Hanson, Hanson, and I'm forgetting the other guy's name that played all last season. Cody Barton. Um, yeah. Cody Barton. I mean, those, those guys, played the majority of the snaps. I mean, a lot of snaps. So, oh yes. Like 200 um, tackles that you're, you're losing with, with those two. Yeah. Guys. Thanks, uh, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think people were sort of excited about Bernard coming in. A lot of people thought that maybe he would step in last season and, and, and he didn't. Um, are, do, how do you, how do you guys feel? What's, is, is there anything coming out of camp about how folks are playing uh, at the linebacker spot? Has anybody really sort of emerged and is sort of like, you know, whispers are coming out of camp. This guy's got it locked down. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you mentioned it. Uh, uh, Francis Bernard uh, transferred in last year, was expecting to really kind of make an impact, but with, with the job that Chase Hansen, Cody Barton did, there just wasn't a lot of reps uh, for him to have. The the few that he got, he came in and produced. Uh, he played uh, played well in the bowl game, um, replacing Chase Hansen, who did not play in the bowl game. Um, but you're going to see him. You're going to see Manny Bowen, uh, who's a transfer from Penn State, um, who's got a ton of ability, produced pretty well at, uh, at Penn State. So those, those guys, uh, you know, pretty much have locked down the starting position. Um, but uh, behind him, yeah, we, we, have definitely got some question marks and, and, uh, some guys who, uh, who somewhat highly touted and, uh, you know, have some high expectations that, uh, once they're given the opportunity can come in and produce, um, Sione Lund was a transfer from, uh, from Stanford originally from Salt Lake, um, came back, um, they added a, a JC running back in Trenton Carlson. Two, two guys that I'm really intrigued on and one who uh, on the Utah Man podcast, my defensive breakout player of the year at the linebacking position um, on the entire defense I have is Devin Lloyd. 
And that's a name you should uh, maybe uh, keep in mind. I think you're going to see him th- throughout this year. He's just he's a beast. He's he's you look at him and he's he's an NFL linebacker. He's got that build. And uh, coming out of camp, the coaches are talking so highly of him. He's just living in the living in the film room and he's just soaking everything up. And uh, so I expect him to, to once he's given the opportunity to uh, really come out and produce and and uh, and become a, a staple at that line or at the linebacking position. There's this scene in Toy Story, the first one, where like Woody falls over. He's at Sid's house, right? The guy that blows up all the toys. And then like they all start moving up and, you know, there's a Barbie head on an army man thing and you got the spider, the spider guy that's crawling around. That kind of reminds me of this, <laughs> this linebacking core because you have like Mickey Juarez like from UCLA and I don't even know he's going to be there. That's right. A bunch of Juco guys like you mentioned, uh, Trenton Carlson, that guy had offers from Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, UCLA. Sione Loon was like the number nine athlete of the 2017 class. Uh, Devin Lloyd, who you just mentioned, and, and I only knew about him because of the Utah Man podcast. That guy played 14 games on special teams, but he was really like that buzz is there plus Bernat like Bernard and Bowen like almost all of your guys didn't start at the University of Utah it's really fascinating no it it, it really is you know they they've all come uh, come from all over the place and you know the the thing the thing at, at Utah is we have been really spoiled defensively it's just you know every year there's there's position groups that uh, that we've got question marks on and with with Whittingham and the defensive staff that he has, you know, they just always seem to figure it out. And uh, and, and so that's to, to an extent. Maybe we go in with a little bit of a blind eye on that. But, uh, you know, I, I fully expect those linebackers to, to be pretty, uh, pretty potent and, and producing, you know, especially because they're playing behind such a great defensive line. And, and that's going to make those guys' job a lot easier um, because they're just going to be able to run free and make tackles. And, uh, and so, obviously, uh, it's, it is going to be kind of a wait and see. But there's, even, even with losing Chase and Cody, there's still high expectations uh, on, that, uh, on that group. Yeah, I mean, that defensive line is going to make your linebackers' lives pretty easy right like yeah. they should get they should get pretty they should get the same kind of clean reads that every you know Hanson and Barton were getting last season exactly um, yeah I I it, especially I'm interested because Wada's never really got it together at UCLA never made it to you know spent hardly any time on the field but just still from you know all indications just an athletic freak oh yeah um and if yeah, you if he could get going I mean I would shudder to think of the impact of him coming on a green dog blitz like <laughs> like ro- rolling down you know like the, the the pockets already falling apart and him just like you know blitzing right past the center and guard yeah but he just like he had emotional issues and then he came in over overweight oh, yeah, the and the concussion and um, <laughs> and i didn't even know yeah exactly i don't even know if he's gonna be on camp. do you know if he's on campus yet well you know we we have not heard officially i i what, I think he's going to end up at Utah, but uh, I, I don't expect to see him this year. Um, at no. least, at least from my understanding. Huh. Um, now, hey, I, I could be way off on that. You know, Utah doesn't let a lot out, so uh, you know, hey, we may see him starting week one for all we know. But, uh, um, but uh, 
it it created a little bit of buzz when uh, word word trickled out on Twitter and uh, social media that uh, that he was uh, possibly coming to Utah. So if everything uh, holds true and uh, and we see him out there, uh, um, yeah, I mean you you got to see what he can do because guys like that with his ability, if he can put it together, uh, he he could uh, he could be a stud for this group. Safety, you know, you yes. lose both safeties. Um, which may result in fewer targeting penalties. But. That was what Utah fans were mad at us for. That's what it was last year. <laughs> yeah, we, we we single-handedly uh, um, with with the loss of Marquise Blair, we we definitely gonna have a lot less targeting this year. <laughs> but uh, did did they move over Julian Blackmon to safety in order yes. to? So it's gonna be Johnson and Gidry in, in all likelihood. Yeah, Gidry and probably Tyreek Lewis. Uh, okay. Yeah, Gidry. Uh, Gidry is going to be in the nickel. Uh, um, Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Lewis will uh, will be the two uh, expected to be two starting corners. J- Jalen obviously, um, but uh, expecting that Tyreek Lewis will be the on the other side of the field. Um, maybe Josh Nurse. Uh, he's kind of a, a wild card on that. Uh, okay. uh, well, but uh, yes, as far as the safety position goes. Um, yeah, it uh, you you got Blackman who who was a corner last year, made the change in spring and played really well in spring. And and uh, the, the word coming out of uh, out of that camp was uh, you're not going to see any loss in production once he's uh, once he's over there. Um, and then uh, Terrell Burgess is going to be the the other safety who's been in the program, um, but has just kind of been more of a, of a backup throughout his career. So this is going to be his first opportunity to really go out and be, be a starter. Yeah. I'm curious with Burgess and then Rob, I'm sure you have questions about the cornerbacks, but it was kind of like this with Washington. We were looking at Washington secondary. They replace um, just some nasty, nasty players in the secondary. And then you have the, the senior or junior guy that's been in the program for a while. And, um, and yes, they've been stuck behind really elite talent, but I think sometimes there's that buzz around the next, especially with the coaching staff about the next players coming up, you know, they got to kind of pump them up and, uh, make sure that they know that they're going to get playing time. I have been following the Utah program, but I haven't been following the Utah program that closely. Has there been that type of buzz about Burgess or somebody like Vontae Davis, who's a Juco transfer, um, or like RJ Hubert, like some of those guys, are they maybe going to be pushing him for playing time on that strong safety side. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, there there really hasn't been a ton of buzz with Burgess, but I think people, uh, for the most part, are pretty comfortable that uh, he's 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 played a number of seasons now. He hasn't been relied upon really to be the starter game in and game game out, but uh, he's seen enough action where I think people, uh, at least the fans, are pretty confident he's going to be able to get the job done behind him. Yeah, you mentioned R.J. Hubert. Um, he he served a church mission in his back, and and he's a he's a pretty he's got some buzz to him. Um, and I I think I would love to see him put some pressure on Burgess um, and uh, and uh, kind of force the issue a little bit. Uh, Aaron Lowe is a big recruit, um, but he's a true freshman. You know, oftentimes unless they're really special, you're not going to see a true freshman come in and and. Uh, and obviously start or, or really get significant time. But Aaron Lowe is probably – R.J. Hubert and Aaron Lowe are probably the two, the two guys of the future that, uh, that, that they're looking at as far as safeties. Um, 
Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's questions at the second in the, in the safety position, um, behind those, behind those two starters. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And like, like most teams, I, I think that they're, when we still do projected starters, we often, you know, think of it as, uh, you know, their, their regular base defense, but most teams, the base defense is nickel these days. Like you're going to have, you're yeah. often going to have, you know, five, five DBs on the field. Um, do the youths, do they feel good about it? Cause that not only does that mean that you have three corners on the field, um, you got to have some guys behind them. Um, and there's, there's some guys like that, that you mentioned that are, you know, that they have some, ex, you know, there's a lot of experience there, uh, on the defense, you know, nurse is a senior Tyrone Smith is a redshirt senior. Nigel King is redshirt junior. Um, do you, do, do you feel good about the the depth there in the secondary? Because there's there's a, there's a lot to like at the the, the starters, um, you know. But injuries do happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you you you're always gonna you're always gonna test your depth really at every position, and so that's that's gonna be a key. Yeah, at the starting position, I mean, Jalen Johnson, who uh, Phil still has as the number one corner in the country this year. Um, just, you know, he's, he's been a lockdown guy. Um, and, uh, you know, so keeping him healthy, uh, he's gonna, he's gonna be pivotal for that secondary and uh, Javelin Guidry at the, um, you know, at the, at the nickel spot, uh, he's, this will, he'll, let's see, he'll be a true fresh or excuse me, a true, uh, uh, junior this year and, and a three-year starter. And he is just, he's locked down that, that nickel job. Um, but, but the question is behind him. And so Josh Nurse, he's one of those guys that uh, they got in the JC ranks, was a wide receiver. They brought him in and said, hey, you're going to be a corner here. They've had they've had some pretty good success doing that in the past. Um, Sean Smith, who had a pretty, a pretty good NFL run there, uh, was that same way. So there's some buzz that Josh Nurse uh, may be able to take over Tyreek Lewis as, as one of the starting. Um, so you're going to see a lot of him throughout uh, throughout this year. Um, but there's definitely some question marks uh, behind him. Nigel King doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, Bronson Boyd, uh, another wide receiver turned corner, um, and, uh, and and some other uh, some other freshmen that we'll see whether or not we uh, we uh, they they redshirt or if they get thrown into action this year. But um, there's definitely some question marks behind the starters. But overall, the um, the depth is there but just a lack of experience on a lot of that depth. Robbie, you have any other questions on a position by position standpoint? No. Okay. Hit him with the numbers, man. Hit him up. <laughs> <laughs> so the youth projected 22 this season. Um, they actually projects a little better. I run a modify. I've been working around with a modified model that uh, tries to take into more of a coaching and development effect. Um, and that <clears throat> has the youth at number 18 coming into the season. So, the, the the model both models are sort of high on where Utah may end up. So they have uh, they're projected at eight point nine six wins um, and six point two three wins in the conference. I mean, really, I I think the model's overrating USC because they recruit so well. But um, the Utes have a a pretty favorable schedule, you know, with yeah. the exception of going going to Washington on the road. Um, they miss Stanford this season. They miss Oregon. Uh, yeah, so would you take the over or the under on that 8.96 wins? I I am going to, with ease, I'm taking the over. Now, Grant is- <laughs> I'm with you, but uh, yeah. 
Now, I, I, I am a Utah homer. I will fully admit that. But, um, you know, I, I think the key, you know, they bring back so much depth and, and so much returning talent. But, but I think what you just mentioned is they've got a favorable schedule to go along with it. And uh, this, this is the year that really um, we, we, we as you fans were thinking, if we're, if we're going to win the South, if we're going to make a run and uh, you know, win the Pac-12 and, and make it to our first Rose Bowl, this is going to be the team that does it. And uh, so, you know, obviously we'll wait and see kind of how things plays, play out. But uh, I'll, I'll clearly take the over on that one. Okay. Okay. No, I, I actually I agree with you on this one. I, I just think every one of our coach, every one of our guests so far has the over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's going to at least go seven and five in the conference. That's guaranteed. <laughs> Some of us are going to be left pretty disappointed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, no I think you. No one agree. can be. No one can be more disappointed than Arizona fans last year, where people are like, "They're a dark horse playoff contender," and then week two. Khalil Tate. I mean, week one was bad enough, but week two, Khalil Tate's ankle gets hurt. Yeah, how, how did you let BYU do that to to Arizona last year? That game was a mess. Well, it's because Khalil Tate was throwing 18, 18 bombs. Oh my gosh. At, you know, every is is ridiculous. They could get, they they could not get any kind of offensive rhythm going because Tate just kept ripping off deep shots that he was off by a solid ten yards on. Like it was, it it, it did look like some of our former OCs were running the show on that game. It's one of those games where I was glad it wasn't on, like, you know, primetime network. I always complain about Arizona games being on, like, the Pac-12 network at 11. I'm like, ah, this is probably good. That, that wasn't the case. So. <laughs> uh, hey, so th- three questions. We have two from Twitter, and then I have a quick question. So um, uh, Colby Groenman, uh, speaking of, you know, taking the over, asks, what kind of Kool-Aid are you drinking? I'm in the fruit punch <laughs> genre right now. Uh, so what kind of Kool-Aid do you like when, when you're talking about Utah here? What kind of Kool Aid? Oh man, I'm 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 neck deep in the, the Utah Kool Aid, but uh, yeah, I guess anything red at this point, right? Oh, for sure. There you go. Um, yeah, it, a lot to be excited for uh, if you are a Utah fan. Uh, Willie Loman says, "Factor Fishing is Covey healthy? Um, if not, will he be healthy game one?" Well, so he he tore his ACL in the championship game last yeah. year, um, coming uh, oh, coming yeah. right out of yeah. halftime. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of been under the radar, uh, type of a deal, but, uh, we're, we're on the street. He's good to go. So, uh, whether, whether, I guess that the, the ter- it'll be interesting to see whether they put him, uh, in for game one, or if they, they hold him out, uh, for uh, the first, uh, PAC 12 game against USC on the road game. Uh, uh, what is that game four of the season? So, um, I'll, I'll be interested to see kind of, uh, uh, what they do on that, but, uh, he, he is good to go. So he, he will, he will be, uh, he'll be suiting up. That's awesome. Stay strong, Britain. You know, you can, <laughs> um, <laughs> he's the Wes Welker of the PAC 12. Like, yeah, you just have to he is. He is. <laughs> uh, and then last question. So we took a road trip to Salt Lake, uh, two years ago to watch Arizona play Utah. And it is just a stunning, stunning place. Like Salt Lake city is beautiful. Um, those Hills are gorgeous. Like the, the stadium's really small and loud. And I know that you're expanding, so it's going to be a little bit bigger, but I can see how that expansion will hold that sound in. Cause that's what made it really special. It was really a, a excellent experience. Um, so if somebody's going to Salt Lake for a road game, where should they eat at? Oh, where should they eat at? The tailgate lot. You got you got to uh, you got to go to the pig bus. Have you heard of the pig bus? Oh yeah, we we follow yeah. the pig bus. Yeah, we know them. 
Yeah, yeah, the, they'll uh, they'll take they'll take uh, they'll take good care of you down uh, down there. U- Utah is actually a pretty underrated uh, tailgating scene. You know, we, we may not be like the SEC, but uh, but uh, it's really taken off in the last decade, and uh, and it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty fun environment out there pregame. And uh, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a there's a, a, a good number uh, of good places to go check out the pie. Um, it's a it's a pizza joint right there on Utah's campus, um, not far from the stadium. That is awesome pizza, and uh, so there's some uh, there's definitely some good places to come. But yeah, you got you come come out, come check out a uh, Utah 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 game, and it's a fun environment. Uh, Utah packs that place. Yeah, it's not the biggest stadium in the conference by any means, but uh, you'll uh, it'll it'll be one of the loudest uh, um, environments uh, that you'll that. Uh, you know, as an opposing fan uh, to come see, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, th- I think it being smaller is that, uh, that's more of a compliment. It's just a a really cool experience to see a game there. Um, finally, Scott, where can people find all of your wares again? Where are you on Twitter? Where can people find the Utah Man podcast? Anything else that you want to let the fine people know? Yeah, yeah, Utah Man is uh, um, just at Utah Man podcast on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, you can listen to any of the, any of the podcasts on any of the available, you know, Stitcher, iTunes, um, and then uh, you can find me at uh, Uteman underscore forever. Just uh, you know, love love talking football and uh, love to love to have some fun and uh, and enjoy what is social media Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because for for all it's good and bad, uh, you know, right? It's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster. And then Rob, where can people find you? on Twitter. I'm at uh beta rank football, beta underscore uh ranked underscore FB. I'm also at Sharp College Football, which is our new site that we've launched that has all the beta rank stuff on it and uh, some of the Max Brown videos. So if you want to go check out and send me hate mail about how my math hates your team, uh you can go check it out there. Um, And then stay tuned. We will continue doing these deep breakdowns. I'm not certain who is up next. It'll likely be Colorado, um, although our guys, our friends at the Freeballing Podcast don't know that yet. (laughs) But we will be uh, hitting up some of our friends to make sure to bring on more experts on each team as we go. And then again, we'll be recruiting weekly. So um, once the season starts, like we will be breaking down the games and talking spreads and talking teams and all that stuff. It was a lot of fun. Pretty, pretty good response last year. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, guys, thanks for thanks for having me on, and looking forward to uh, looking forward to Pac-12 race here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.